Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of Random Access Memories. This week I'm, I'm joined by a very special young man from over Canada Way, uh, Mr. Kevin Archibald. <laughs> That's what my teacher said. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, sir? Ready? Good, sorry. I'm already stepping on your on your voices. How about that? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, so, right. I, I've forgotten the, the question I always ask everybody. It's sort of, how. what year were you born? How old are you now? Because I'm not doing that maths live on a show. And where were you born? Where did you grow up, I think, is the better. Where did I grow up? I grew okay, I was born in nineteen seventy-five, so I'm 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 an old man now. So that makes me forty-two. Uh pushing forty-three. My childhood was all Star Wars, Transformers, and Commodore sixty four. Uh pr- pretty much in that order. Right. So there there that is. Um but yeah, I can, I can take you. I can take you to my very first video game. I, I really enjoyed preparing for this because I, uh, I I went over all this and it, and it was quite a path of things that I'd forgotten about. Yeah. Uh, and and to go into it properly, there were geopolitical things you had to consider, like the state of poverty in Glasgow in the 1950s, which I'll get into. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to that. First video game I ever played was at Chuck E. Cheese, and I remember it very well my 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 uncle took me and and it was pac-man right i was very young maybe five years old i don't know um did you have chuck e cheese over there do you have chuck e cheese over no, there? no we don't um that i as i understand so this is actually set up it, it was a company run by nolan bushnell creator of atari and yes it's a am i right in thinking it's sort of a family oriented restaurant with lots of arcade games and kids play areas and it's the sort of play, if you didn't have kids there's no way on earth you would set foot in one but no no and, and right, our okay. beloved friend uh jason had to go to one like last week and and he thought it was hell on earth but as a kid it's it's <laughs> yeah. heaven on earth pretty much yeah but yeah it's it's three pieces that make chuck e cheese one piece of uh pizza parlor one piece arcade and one piece animatronic bands uh if you can imagine such a thing i i can i have both seen the country bear jamboree at disney world and also simpsons episodes which i've now realizing are endlessly parodying Chuck E. cheese yeah there yeah. you go so yeah my 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 uncle and aunt i was sleeping over at their house and they thought let's take him to Chuck E. cheese and uh and i was hopelessly outclassed they pushed me towards the 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 pac-man I was, I was surrounded by all these i remember dragon slayer being there and i wondered how on earth can that be a thing like how can you control that madness of cartoonness of dragon slayer i still wonder uh, that <laughs> <laughs> i have the dvd edition of that game by the way you control it with your remote control so it's not a lot of tight controls on that thing no <laughs> anyhow they pushed me towards the pac-man and then they were like okay okay come on run away from the ghost, run away from, no, now you got to run towards the ghost, run towards the ghost. I was hopelessly outclassed. I had all these mixed emotions of shame and joy and euphoria and sadness and all of them at once. And yeah, uh, yeah that, was, that was the first one. Wow. So, Very clear uh, memory of that then. That's- oh man, it set me on a path. I'm, I'm, I'm a very big gamer to this day. If I'm in a house by myself, and I don't have any jobs to do. I am going to be playing games. It is pretty much a given. That's 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 my default. And then that that's where it all began, right there. That Chuck E. Cheese. Awesome. So, so yeah, no, f- go on. Sorry. So I'm assuming from there, then you went through a little bit of a period of take me to Chuck E. Cheese, take me to Ch- <laughs> take me now, and then eventually home consoles came out well yeah i mean i i uh I, my friends started getting 2600s and coleco visions and i had this one babysitter i would go to and play combat for hours you know i could i could bend the bullets in combat and uh and and and, and rock anyone i i would still love to play combat or warlords with anyone on the 2600 uh i don't know if it was the 2600 big over there no not at all i'm having to look up combat um, oh my giddy answer! Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, combat is just basically like two sprite tanks that have to shoot each other. But the clever and and it was it advertised itself as eighty seven games, but it was just one game with different different wall configurations between you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
And once you got good at it, you, you learned that if you shoot and then bend the, the joystick, it would actually bend the bullets. So that was uh, it just like wanted. We were just like wanted back then, man. Yeah. It, it reminds me of Gunfighter on the uh, uh, Magnavox 2. The okay. Odyssey 2. I'll have to take Mag- your word for it. Magnavox Odyssey 2. That's it. it to me, it's the Philips G7000. To the rest of the world, it's the Magnavox Odyssey 2. And I have to deal with that. And it always trips me up. Uh, but yeah, the whole two players here's just shoot each other. There are yes, some obstacles. Yeah. This is what the we Atari can do. The Atari twenty six hundred, the Atari twenty six hundred probably be the default console for North America until the NES came along. Yeah, uh, there was also the ColecoVision, but the twenty six hundred was was the business. The, the, the ColecoVision was sort of the Sega to the NES, if you will. Yeah, but uh, so I mean, you said you know you're probably that was probably you until you got a console. Well, I here's here's my confession. I've never really owned a console. We've never had a console in our house. See, there was no way on God's green earth I could get one in my house. My my and 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 this is largely down to my dad. My, okay. my dad, and here here we go with the, the 1960s uh, or 1950s uh, geopolitical situation. My dad is my dad is Scottish, right? And okay. he. he He's off the boat from Glasgow when he was 26. He came here, and when he was a kid, he lived in, you know, like the really, really bad end of Glasgow. And he was very poor, like poor in a way it's very hard for us to imagine today. Yeah, yeah. Like one of my first memories of my dad is him going around on crutches because he had to have his toes broken and reset because they were so disfigured from years of wearing the wrong size of shoe. Right. Uh, Cause his parents could, his parents couldn't afford new shoes. That was, yeah. that was the thing, you know, and at, at the Scottish tenement he lived in, he slept in his parents' bedroom. His sister slept in the bathroom. So needless to say, this instilled a sense of frugalness, like oh. you would not believe in and the idea <laughs> yeah. of spending money on a device solely made for games would have been met with the most impenetrable. No, you could ever imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, so, I, uh, I yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ari was on recently. I really enjoyed that show you did with Ari. And I found interesting when she said that her parents would never go for something that was solely designed for games. So she had to do the workaround of something that was computery. And that's exactly what I had to do as well. The Commodore 64 was the ticket. My my friends had one. They were gaming and they were computers. And I could sell that to my parents. You guys uh, so are the I, Commodore I, 64. It's... yeah. It's such a North America thing again. Um, yeah. I, I have seen one Commodore 64 in the wild. Like a kid my age had it. That was his computer. A Commodore one, one ever. Um, really? And yet you talk to anyone who, who grew up in North America, uh, just, oh yeah, well, Commodore 64. Like, what? Really? And I, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. We just didn't. <laughs> it was the ticket man all my friends had one um and and they you know i we i saved up for the actual computer which which was in the keyboard itself and my parents paid for the floppy disk drive and we hooked it up to an old black and white tv we had and and that was me till like the early 90s you 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 pushed load and you waited for it to load for about five minutes and then you and then you you played your game You, you pushed run uh it was also the start of piracy for me because y- you could copy all of these games pretty easily. Yeah. And uh, so the only discs you ever bought were blank ones and you would be going between all your friends' houses and, and running copying programs uh, back in the day and swapping those discs in and out of the disk drive as you copied copied your games. Absolutely. I lit- yeah. I literally don't think I ever purchased a single Commodore 64 game ever. We, we we had some in that era, but yeah, they're all cassettes. So just stereo, tape to tape, job done. That that was it. <laughs> right. And, and so what what are you saying? You you did that with like your 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 BBC computer or whatever it was that you had at the time? Well we, we had a like with the cassettes? We had an Amstrad. Uh oh, okay. that was that to was one of the right, so we had the Spectrum, which was probably more prevalent but was awful. Uh, okay. For, for any proof of that, just watch any gameplay footage from it and wonder how anyone ever fell for that. Um, yes. But the thing with the Spectrum was it was the cheapest thing around. 
by by a long shot. So it sold well. And then there was the Amstrad, which was also quite cheap. I think the, the Commodore 64 might have been the more expensive one. And, and that had some factor in it. And it wasn't the best uh, 80s computer on the market in the UK. Uh, so I think the I feel like the Amstrad picked it out, but I'm not sure on that. I could be pulled up on that later. But yeah, that's what we had. Uh, but it, it was the same range. Games came games came on tapes or three inch floppy disks right. that that were yeah. the best floppy disks in the world. I, they will be left around long after we are. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you just every because you could copy games like you copied albums just press play on one tape deck, press record on another, and you've got Ikari Warriors. Right. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, I mean, the um, for, for the Commodore, the tape was sort of out there at the very beginning of its life, but it soon was replaced by by floppy disks, and they were the, the big five and a quarter ones, the sort of yeah. leather, plasticky kind of feeling disks. You, you didn't get the three and a halfs until, uh, until the PC came along for the... Uh, yeah, so the the Commodore didn't really go for the the, the nicer ones, but do, do you know? You, the, you, go ahead. Sorry. The, sorry. The problem I had with five and a quarter inch discs, and I've I've never actually explained this to anyone before, and so I'd be interested to see if if you or anyone else listening had this. the The classic disc shape with the circle in the middle, and then the bit of cutout that allows you to see the tape. It's not the tape; the disc inside the wafer sure. folder, whatever. And I remember yeah. the first time my dad showed me one of these um, and made it very clear, whatever you do, don't <laughs> touch this bit in the yes. cutout bit. And yes. I have never wanted to touch something more in my entire life <laughs> ever since then. I'd find just staring at it thinking, don't touch that. Don't, don't touch, touch that. that. Why no. not? What will you, happen if I do? What does it feel rub, like? What? Oh, rub the game off. <laughs> yeah. What happens? And so those discs, more than any other media I've ever encountered in my life, I just, I, I want to touch it. I want it. Don't. I, uh, and I, yeah, I'm glad they went away for that reason. And that three and a half uh, inch sure. discs had the cover on that slid out the way. I'm not sure what was in, in it. Was it like that same magnetic material that was in a cassette tape, but in disc form? I'm, I, I'm I not 100% so. sure. Yeah. I, I don't think there was any real material differences between, say, a, a five and a quarter and a three and a half inch floppy in terms of what the disc itself was made of it but then i i actually don't know we're into sort of magnetic tape disc formatting things and i'm clueless <laughs> well uh yeah as, as the as the life of the commodore 64 went on it gave birth to uh you had to get a modem for it and then you could log on to BBSs. And this was like the beginning of BBS culture, the bulletin board system culture, which was very big over here. I don't know if it was as big over there. Like over here, one of the big differences was you had, uh, you had free local calling. So you could make any phone calls within your city or within your area code for free for as long as you liked and not pay anything for that. Right. And it gave rise to a large BBS culture. Uh, which I guess was like early, early kind of internet stuff, but it was all like text menus. You'd log into someone's com like computer and then you, you would see mostly it was used for piracy. You would see what, what games people had uploaded and download them again. Uh, you could do other game things like there was like turn-based games and stuff, but I mean, let's face it, it was mostly just helping piracy oh, again. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, we didn't uh, have any, anything like that. Um, to me, a modem was what Matthew Broderick had in War Games, and <laughs> okay. that was the thing of the future that could bring about the destruction of all mankind. I, I might as well have asked for a lightsaber and a, a galaxy-class starship with warp drive for Christmas uh, as a modem. <laughs> it was that it, that was all in the same universe to me as a kid. You did you oh. didn't have a modem? That God. Yeah, and it's, it's just in my TARDIS. Yeah, I've got a modem. I can you know. still remember the commands. You'd have to push ATDT, like uh, attention dial tone or attention dial pulse, uh, and then the phone number, and then you'd wait for the squeal. And then you'd start downloading something, and it would take like, it would literally take like 20, 25 minutes. And if anyone else in the house picked up the phone, you would get booted off. So you you guarded those damn phones like during your download of Ghostbusters 2 or whatever the heck the game was you were downloading and you 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 
and and of course someone needed to make a phone call and it would begin the negotiation process of oh come on just 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 give me five more minutes and, and it will it'll finish the download and 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 then we're uh, sometimes all happy. You, yeah. Yeah. So, sometimes you win, sometimes you didn't. And sometimes they would just sabotage you by picking up the phone and, uh, and cutting you off and you'd have to hopefully resume the download, but often you would restart that download. It's, it's disturbing how long that stuck around. I mean, that as a concept, like you're on the phone, someone else wants to use the phone, they pick it up and it destroys you. That was still when I was in college. That was, that so, was the biggest source of tension between me and Craig Bevan ever. Because I wanted the internet, he wanted to use the phone. And, you know, in those days, we we still had dial-up, but we had things that took hours, days to download. Uh, yes. And and so I was, we were just always on the internet. Uh, and you'd, yeah. just, you'd see your, your downloads drop off, and then you'd hear a clattering in the hallway, which was the phone being put back down. <laughs> and then you'd hear, Rich, I need to use the phone. Right. Yeah, I knew all this was occurring. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Well, yep. All of that was, uh, yeah. But when you're like eight, nine years old, you just don't have the leverage that you did as, as college students. So oh, God, no. You, you, no. You, you pretty much were at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, I credit I credit uh, having this Commodore 64, though, and all that stuff. It, like my Right now, my career is as a, as a developer, mostly database kind of stuff. But you could tinker around in a lot of these programs. Uh, I, I really put that, that 2001 monkey picks up the bone moment to when we had uh, strip poker, someone had given us the disc of strip poker and uh, you'd load up the game. And I soon discovered that uh, despite my best efforts, I was, I was terrible at poker and I could barely get the socks off of this girl <laughs> And uh, but then you learn like if you load the game and then you you do a directory listing, uh, you can see that I- I- inside the folder there's like Cindy zero, Cindy one, Cindy two, Cindy three, Cindy four, and then Jennifer one, Jennifer two, Jennifer three, Jennifer four, and you soon learned if you if you replace the name of Cindy zero with Jennifer four or or, or Cindy four, it, it would start with Cindy four instead of Cindy zero and work its way there. And yeah. uh, this early hackery set me on a path to say, you know what? Programming has its rewards. I'm, I'm going to be setting myself on this path. I, I think it's something that kids are missing out on so much now. Um, <laughs> There's no barrier to, to uh, naughty pictures. No, no, no. Not the, I mean, the, the inner workings of software and, and stuff like that. Um, mm. like you, you got to make that discovery because that stuff was accessible to you because to a certain extent, you had to know certain things to make stuff work at all. And now you click an icon on an iPad and it works or it doesn't work. And there's no yes. discovery there for a child. There's no how do I make it work. There's no how does it work. There's just, that's it. It works or it doesn't. And yeah, th- there's great things kids can decide. I'd like to learn coding and go and do that. But how many kids decide that with no inspiration in the first place to it, yeah. it must be a thing. I, I get, and I like I said, like like growing up with like a rubbishy kind of computer, like the Commodore sixty four, where that you need a certain degree of jiggery pokery to get what you want done. You know, you want to copy so and so's games. So you're gonna have to learn about all the different protocols of of copying. You're gonna have to you know get the blind discs, and maybe you'll have to do even more jiggery pokery to get it going. Absolutely. That I, it all. Yeah, it's all very motivational to help you help you get going. And I, I think the same thing about hardware as well. You know, you're not looking at how an iPad works, but I took my PCs apart and like, oh yeah, that's a graphics card. I should probably put that back and all that kind of thing. And, <laughs> you should probably put that back. You know, yeah. there's no, there's no, that's not happening anymore. You don't open up your MacBook. That's the end of the world if you open up. Kids, don't open your MacBook. It's not meant yeah. for that. I mean, at the same time, though, there is a bit of, of hobbying and experimenting with things like Raspberry Pis and, and whatnot. But the projects uh, you can do with that are, are pretty impressive. Uh, Hour of Code is another big website now that a lot of kids find themselves on, either from school or whatnot. And, mm. and they're making their own Minecraft games and stuff like that. So, I don't know. My, my daughter is uh is 10 now but ever since she was eight she was doing like those hour of code exercises and making silly minecraft kind of games and sandboxes stuff so that's very um, cool that that is very cool that they can do that yeah for sure for sure so Um, 
Right. So you had the Commodore 64. What? Um, yeah. So do you have any particular big games for the Commodore 64 that stick in your mind? You mean besides strip poker? Besides strip poker. <laughs> wow. I mean, there was great ones. There was uh, Commando, Goonies, Transformers, Ghostbusters, very much 80s kind of era games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot it, of movie titles like your Predators and your Rambos and that sort of thing. That was always a th- there was always a game of a film and they were always yeah. awful. <laughs> And then yes, I, I think were. it just kind of went away that after a while, I think we, we stopped getting so many movie times and now it's, we it's really did. not a common yeah. thing. Yeah, no. And that's probably a good thing. Oh, that's God, probably yeah. a good thing. I mean, I don't know. There, there were a few very good movie times and I'm going later on like, uh, Chronicles of Riddick. I really enjoyed, uh, escape from butcher Bay. That was one of my all time favorite, both games and, and uh and franchises actually yeah you ever play that one no oh right yeah no it's a you're riddick and you have to escape a prison basically it's good right. fun um, um did, did you have any good movie tying games the, well the, the best one for me of that era was i still think arguably the best one of all time which was the batman tie-in uh, for the which one the arkham's no, the Tim Burton one. The Tim Burton one. Stick, I'm ah, still in the, okay. in the Commodore 64 Spectrum Amstrad era. That Are was, we talking like it was like a side-scroller kind of deal, and then you'd go back to the Batcave and do stuff, and then you'd basically side-scroll fight someone? There were some side-scrolling levels. There were some driving yeah. levels. I think there was a Batwing level. Oh, okay, um, yes, I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah, that was good. And yeah, that to me, we, we got hours out of that on the Amstrad. Hours, yes. hours and hours and hours. Um, which was, again, it was odd because, like you say, yeah, piracy was a little bit rife. And so we were not stuck for games to play, unlike no. our, our console-owning brothers and sisters that had three games because those games were $60 each and you weren't pirating yes. an NES game. <laughs> no. Now, I do have some fun NES memories of, of my friends. One of my favorite memories of high school was was – the school was, we showed up for school uh, on a Monday or whatever the heck it was. And then the announcements came on and said, everyone get your stuff and go. We've discovered asbestos in the school and we're, we're closed until further notice to which we were overjoyed. We didn't even consider yeah. any of the, the health implications at the <laughs> time, but we went directly to the, the video rental store rented uh, like uh, Mega Man to Mike Tyson's punch out and uh, super dodgeball and pretty much spent the entire week with those three games. And to this day, whenever I boot up an emulator, it's one of those three games that I'm, I'm hitting up. Yeah. Those were some, yeah, it's, uh, I need to play super dodgeball. Actually, Mike Tyson's punch out. I love, uh, yes. What was the other one you said? Sorry. Uh, Mega Man two, Mega Man two. I, I have learned my lesson with Mega Man games and decided I'm not that sadistic anymore and I don't need to play them. But I understand why other people enjoy them. I find them so with hard. The, They're so hard. But with save states and whatnot, it makes it a lot easier than back in those days. Like, you can just pretty much every time before you take a jump, you save the state of the game and then try it again from that jump. True, true. And for that reason, I have made some headway with Mega Man X on the uh, SNES Classic Mini that I've got, but okay. the the original Mega Man series, they're, they're just not fun to me. They're just so hard. I, I, <laughs> I don't mean that as a criticism. They are what they oh. are, and I totally get why people love them. But yes. to me, it's just that. Oh, it's not fun. It's work. It's it's tough. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, from, from there, I went from, from the Commodore. It was a natural progression, not to console, but to, to the PC world from there. And uh, and you've already mentioned about, you know, pulling them apart and getting video cards. Sound cards. Sound cards was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, when you first were able to do, like, proper sound. And, uh, and BBSs were still going strong. You would still download and pirate the heck out of uh, everything. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So you didn't and- go to the Amiga. From no. Co- right, okay. No, I went straight from the 64 right to the sort of the PC 286 was my first, and then a 386, 486, Pentium. Yeah, 
Yeah, we 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 had the the Amiga midstep between the eight bit era and the PC era. Right. I mean, I was aware of it, but most of my friends kind of went straight from sixty four to uh, to the to the uh, PC. Like, were were you an Amiga user? Absolutely. Yeah, we had a, a couple over the years, and it was. <laughs> uh, I mean, the first computer that was technically mine that was a a, okay. a Christmas present for me to go in my bedroom was an Amiga twelve hundred. Uh, and a lot that, of the focus of the Amiga, it seemed like not a million miles away from the sort of Apple-y, Macintosh-y kind of thing. Like a lot of it was, yeah. for its time, like the, the sort of multimedia, the, the mouse-driven stuff, which which yep. then was was something. That was something very, very different. Well, the, the, the Amiga ran on a, a PowerPC architecture like the Mac did and still does. Oh, no, it okay. doesn't anymore. Like the Mac did. Sorry, of course right. they famously yes. changed it. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was a time when Apple approached Commodore, Commodore with the whole, let us buy you. You will remain Commodore and do the home end of the market. We will be Apple and do the high-end professional stuff under those two brands. And Commodore were like, nah, we're going to be fine, thanks. Uh, yeah. and, and just ran with the Amiga for a bit. And then, of course, just disappeared into whatever happened to Commodore. Um, yeah, th- they're coming out with uh, one of those things, the same things that the NES did and the SNES did, those little mini console things yeah. you can attach to the HDMI. I, I don't know if there's going to be much of a market for it, you know? I'd, I'd be surprised. Unlike- yeah, the, the, the difference is, though, I suppose Commodore didn't make games. Nintendo, Sega made games. Uh, Commodore didn't yeah. have a, a, an IP library they can dig back into and bring games out from um no and and the replayability of those nes games and snes games i mean you've got your mario karts and your mario brothers and and those are all you know i could i would happily sit down right now and play some nes games but even with all the nostalgia i have i have no desire to to spin up uh, any kind of commodore emulated system whatsoever me, me either to be honest yeah. i i set my dad up with a, a raspberry pi uh, okay. To to for that nostalgia reason, like here's the Amstrad games we used to play, here's the Amiga games, and I asked him a couple of weeks later how are you getting on with it, and he just said, "How did we ever play those games?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And I don't yeah. think he's touched it again. That that was it. And he's he's right. There yeah. were there were some bad games. Yeah, they, they were so yeah. easy to release and and put out there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then the, like getting into like the, your pc world i was always big into like those shareware stuff because i was always on a budget uh mm-hmm. those magazines you'd get with like the cd roms on the front of them yeah. uh your, your pc gamers and your whatever uk was miles ahead when it came to this i used to go over there quite a bit because of all the family and stuff i had there and my wife was from there so like the magazines you guys would have with all the cds and dvds on the front it, it would keep you going for ages with all the demos and stuff there yeah we had loads of those that was that was a big thing uh, when I was a kid. Just getting that tape on the front of the magazine or the disc or whatever—they were fantastic. And then I think, sadly, that's some computer magazines let that became what they were about, and you were eventually just buying some DVDs with some demos on, and not really a magazine anymore. And that sort of snowballed into the the destruction of of magazines in. For, for computers yeah once you could download them off the internet obviously you didn't need the cd anymore and if your magazine was all about your cd then then sorry that's, that's it yep. isn't it yeah, yeah. uh but, but I'm, yeah, yeah i've played a lot of um no no sorry yeah i played a lot of like the half-life and the half-life uh modifications like you know counter-strike team fortress uh day of defeat all of those and and they were a pig to keep up to date because they would each one of them they would have a patch that would be like whatever, a couple hundred megs. And uh, so you would need to update the core game, the Half-Life. Then you need to update uh, Counter-Strike or whatever it was to version 0.631. And each one of these would be like 100 megs or so or several hundred megs. Uh, and so to find them on online and get them was always a pain because you didn't necessarily have high speed. So you would go and you'd buy these magazines just to keep the games you had up to date so you could still play them online. Mm. Got it. And then with... Yeah, sir, go ahead. I, I, I forgot all about patches and updates coming on magazine cover discs 
and, and that was it. You'd read the back of it to say, okay, has this one got the latest Counter Strike and Half Life update uh, on this disc? Yeah. But, and then finally, finally, we were gifted with Steam. Steam, like the very first Steam that came out, didn't sell you games. It just kept those versions of your existing games up to date. It, it kept Half Life at the current version and it kept Counter Strike and Team Fortress and all of those things up to date. And then it became a store. And then it became a piracy killer for me. Yeah, piracy just got too hard. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you're listening to to, yeah, what I've been saying, I've been I've been like a pretty much a a pirate since I was like six years old on the Commodore sixty four, never paying for a single game. And then when Steam came out, it's like suddenly it's like the the price model, uh, and I guess you know Jobs did this with with MP threes as well. It's like why why would i bother pirating when you are you know selling it to me at that price yeah and they they also give you a lot more that there's a lot more to steam than just the games there's that reliability that your games are there uh you know i don't have shelves full of big boxes uh (laughs) pc games came in some big boxes and uh you've got the online stuff you've got all the online storage you get there's a lot more to steam than than just the game so yeah it killed piracy for me forever Um, yeah i i think that's a real uh parable would you call that uh to 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 anyone listening to that sort of a thing lifelong pirate brought out of piracy by affordable accessible games absolutely I i think the only thing i would pirate these days would be television shows. Yeah, there's a bit of a confession. Yeah, I think until that, until that becomes uh, until until that sweet day when it becomes just like like Steam. Or I mean, it's getting better with your Netflixes and 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 whatnot, but they are starting to fragment into many different uh, yeah. services. So I don't, I don't know. I I just get like, fed up of waiting for stuff. Really, that's that's what it yeah. is ultimately it's, it's star trek's been on it's there on pirate bay and then netflix are like oh we'll put it on sometime tomorrow like, oh, but it, oh come on just do it and yes. they don't do it so it's like well what am i gonna do might have to cut yes. all of that bit i'm going to though don't worry um <laughs> i'm passing you my, my my steam listing here and uh i don't know if you're if you're interested at all but i I'll go down some of these greatest hits here okay see if you can you it's just yeah, coming it, up. It, it, it's coming up, and and it's listed by by hours I have played. Although it's not a great record because if you leave a game on and like go away for whatever a weekend, it'll count that as you've been playing it. Right, I and see. Since my son has started playing, uh, who's seven now, he's been he's been sort of using up my Steam account and leaving stuff on. So things like Castle Crashers and others have found their way to the top. Lego Marvel. There you can see that at the top. It's uh, cause, mostly because he left that on. But fair uh, enough. Yeah. yeah. T- so Team T- Fortress Two. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. You you like your yeah, online three- multiplayers and that kind of thing. I I tend to get like an online multiplayer and stick to it like Team Fortress Two, and then I'll play it, and then I'll get get a wait till a Steam sale comes out and get a couple of single players, work my way through them. And then default back to something like Team Fortress 2. Now it's all um, uh, Overwatch. Team Fortress 2 is given way to Overwatch now. Yeah. And uh, and Rocket League. Rocket League. That's that's actually my son. He is a savant at the Rocket League, oh, man. Right. He can destroy me at the Rocket League. I, I have been so, enjoying that a lot recently. Um, yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice little game. I, I wouldn't have thought it would work, but... And it doesn't at first. Yeah. You have to cross a barrier of that. Oh, now I get it, kind of thing. Yeah. And then you're okay with it. I found. But yeah, the the first few hours, I was just embarrassing with it. Uh, let me ask you: When you get a game, like a single player game, uh, maybe maybe you have two or three. Like a Steam sale comes out or something like that, or or however you acquire games, you get two or three single player games. Will you play like one all the way through and then the next one all the way through and the next one, all, or will you sort of sample them all a little bit at a time? I would sample them all a little bit at a time because I, okay. I, that's, I'm working that on the fact that I recently got a few games all at once and that's what I did. Um, yes. And then out of that, 
one or two will grab my attention more than the others and i'll sort of play those through a lot more um i'm actually just coming to terms with the idea of the older style of play that i used to have where you'd sit and play loads of games a little bit and the idea of completing a game and finishing it Mm -hmm. that just didn't happen to me as a kid and so i'm Mm. getting a bit more into that thinking just i'm just gonna play whatever i feel like playing and to hell with whether it's ever finished or not it's not something you ever kind of did as a kid like i don't know well maybe like some things like mario brothers or whatever you would hear of getting to the very end but it was more something you would just enjoy a bit of mario brothers i i Um, always felt it was down to the fact that kids who had consoles had significantly fewer games and so you needed to get your playtime out of those three or four games that you had right now i'm on the other side of the coin though i'm a very linear gamer if i get tucked into a single player game i will not i will not play anything else except maybe like some multiplayer just for some fun like i'll I'll do some overwatch or whatever but then i'll go back and and complete that single player game and then start another single player game yeah it, it, it will depend on the game some will drag me in and keep me there forever i'm still knocking away at breath of the wild um right and then bayonetta is i'm basically gonna end up playing that all the way through um but others just it it depends on the type of the game so much jrpgs 140 hours of gameplay just well i'm not doing all of that in one go that's uh that's going to be an hour a week for many weeks that game but yeah no i I, yeah i couldn't i i think and yeah I don't think I could eat anything bigger than like a 60 hour game. Like if a single player game, like, like a sort of mass effect two or something like that is about as, as much as I'm, I'm interested in doing when it comes to single player games. My, my tolerance for the longer ones is definitely dropping off. Uh, there's a few RPGs I want to get in before I really get fed up with it. Like play some final fantasy games and stuff like that. But yeah, the, the ones that take hundreds of hours to properly complete, uh, um, yeah, there's too many games out there now. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, and I, I need, I need, I need like just to get rocking and rolling right away. Like I used to really like story games, and they had cutscenes, and they had setup, and all of that. Uh, but now I find that you know I like my my movies to have really really good deep stories and conversations, and my games to just be straight up action. And when I was a kid, it was probably the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, Plus, I, I think with when we were kids, th- the hardware wasn't there to do anything particularly deep. I mean, you talk about the Atari Twenty Six Hundred; th- there sure. was nothing deep on that machine. Uh, Even into my like twenties and stuff, I would, I would, I would like a game with a, like a really good long story. And now I'm like, let's just get to the let's get to, let's get to the action. Let's let's make stuff happen. Yeah, and it's Goat Simulator here on the list. I'm seeing Goat Simulator. L- I love for the a, idea. A, a yeah, just just that someone was like, no, I'm going to make a goat simulator. And the number goat of simulator. people that will have said, doing what? Stop it. <laughs> Why are you wasting your time? And then suddenly it's everywhere. And there's goat simulator yeah. in space and other things like that. Yeah, I like I like games now. Like I like the, the freedom that games have now to go a little bit, a little bit off center. Uh, things like Octodad, which is bananas. It's like, we're going to make a game and we're going to make it so that it's very tough to control the character by design. And you have to use like all these things, which were considered an anathema, like all use seven buttons, one for every single appendage (laughs) this man has. And like making your daughter cereal is a huge mission because of all the, or, or, or surgeon simulators. Another one where it's just like bad controls are the key mechanic. The, yeah. Um, there's some wonderful ideas coming out there with games that, I mean, e- even just things like uh Doki Doki literature club, which seems to be <laughs> around a lot at the moment. It's the idea that it's a game. That's not even a game. It, it's just yes. a, an experience. And I, I think it's, you know, whether or not you like that individual one, fair enough. But I, I think it's great that that is a thing that can be done. Let's using the medium of gaming to sort of just tell a story. Did you ever play the Stanley Parable? No. <laughs> you you have to play that. Like watch for that coming on the old Steam sales or whatever. Because Stanley Parable is 
it, it, it takes a person like you who's a seasoned gamer yeah. and has all these expectations of what happens when you play a game and it just totally turns it on its ear. Ha. I like that. It's just, yeah. It's like, okay. Oh, look, the self-destruct has been hit. It's going to go off in 30 seconds. And Oh, look, there's three buttons in front of you that are blue, green, and red. So you start fiddling with the buttons and then the narrator starts making fun of you. It's like, you're playing with those buttons, aren't you? Because this is what you would normally do in a video game, but it's not going to help. And like, <laughs> there's a, there's this narrator who just, mocks you the whole time because of your expectations because of a lifetime of video games uh um, yeah you, that i love that idea that that is wonderful it it really is a mind job uh stanley parable check it out for sure and it's it's cheap uh cheap is a big driver for me when it comes to games oh yeah As you, it's 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 my it's my my father coming out in me uh i'm there's a subreddit on reddit called uh slash r slash patient gamers and it's for all people who wait to buy games until they're cheap. Uh, the, 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 they've, they've done the math on the Steam, and it's like every game that comes out drops by 50% on an average of, after an average of seven months after release. Right. So if you can wait for seven months, it will be 50% or less, and that's not including the Steam sales. That's just regular price. I, I'm finding that be- easier and easier to do, actually. Yes. Um, yeah. Because there are so many games. So what if I get to one in seven months? Um, I'm not not playing a game for seven months. There's all these others that I haven't had a chance to play. Um, yeah. And by the time you get it, it will be patched better. It'll probably have better content and additional content and things will be fixed that were broken at release time as well. Yeah. Um, I know I still do it, but I can't advise anyone else buy a game near release day. <laughs> it's not sensible and and do you know yeah. what it's since getting all this the shuffle of playstation 2 games and the fact that you aside from a couple of big name rare games you really have trouble paying more than a couple of pounds for each game and then you, you'll go on to amazon and see the brand new ps4 releases of 49.99 and think do you know what i'm just gonna wait for two three years and then get all these for two pounds each and have the mm-hmm. best PS4 collection ever. And that'll be fine because I'm enjoying the PS2 today. So I, I will enjoy the PS4 in a decade. That's all right. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I can't pay full price for games anymore. Certainly not for PlayStation. Uh, Nintendo games are an, another story, unfortunately. Yeah, Nintendo's really good at milking you. <laughs> Why? Why don't they? The they don't get cheaper though. There's no, no. you know, every 3ds game you, you get a 3ds. Think it's it's at the end of its life. Look at all the cheap games there'll be. No, 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 no. Smash Brothers is thirty nine ninety nine today, just like it was the day it came out five years ago, and that's it. It will always be that price. If you want it, pay that. There's no negotiating here. <laughs> I mean, you do respect that a bit. I mean, I, I've been playing a bit more Blizzard games now, like Overwatch, and you've got your StarCrafts and whatnot, and they never tend to put things on sale, and they keep things very tightly reined. And uh, and so when, when something does come out, I'm like, well, I may as well buy it now, even though it's just come out. I know it's almost never going to go on sale, and when it does, it's not going to be that big of a sale. Yeah, like so I, I tip I, my hat. <laughs> I, I got four games for my birthday: three Switch games that were third-party games, and one 3DS game uh, made by Nintendo. And the most expensive of the four was by far the first-party Nintendo game, which was The Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask, forty pounds for for well, an N sixty four game. That one? Yeah, that came out. <laughs> I was let's see, that would be like nineteen eight ninety nine that game it's yeah. it's basically 20 years old it's still 40 pounds see I, okay I, as a pc only gamer ever and and commodore there are certain gaps in my in my upbringing and there's certain some things i do kind of regret like most titles do come to the pc almost all of them but your 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 zeldas i've literally never played a zelda game uh and i haven't really regretted that until breath of the wild came out uh, that looks actually pretty good uh there's a couple others that i thought mm, I, I quite enjoy uh like those drake's games and last of us 
they they look quite good. Uh, Allison adores those games. Yeah, yeah. I, I like kind of similar-ish games, like the new Tomb Raider reboot. I really enjoy. So I feel like I would really enjoy those uh, uh, Drakey kind of games. But uh, yeah. yeah, if you if you look on my list, you can see those um, Assassin's Creed games. I played quite a lot of. Uh, Allison was quite a fan of that. Is she is she still into those? Or has, oh has, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I reached peak assassin's creed a while ago uh after like revelations or something like that or and i was like okay i can't i can't anymore i can't i i don't know the order of them anymore i I was okay with like the first three or four i think it's when it gets to black flag i lose track of what order they come in and all that sort of thing i do know she's played all of them all of them really all of them and in even god there was one year when they brought out uh, one Assassin's Creed for the PS4 and Xbox One, and rather than downgrade it or whatever, they just did a different game for the PS3 and Xbox 360. That both came. Yes. She's done both of those as well. Um, wow. She's. I'm, yeah. I mean, I I just felt that it there was nothing left new in the game to do after I don't know. I played one, two, three, Brotherhood, Revelations. I tried some Black Flag because I heard it was like good again, but I, I just I don't know I couldn't. I was mm. like, mm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm I I just never got into them. I I, I couldn't no. quite figure them out at first. They weren't really for me. Although I I enjoyed the Batman Arkham games, which were in some ways similar in their mechanic. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, I like the I like the that part of the Batman game. I, I'm less into like the sort of beat beat em up. Uh, mm. parts of that where it's all like okay dodge counter hit dodge counter hit whatever I, I do like the sort of sneak around and swoop down and take people you really do get that batman feeling absolutely and it's it's not that long ago i was doing karaoke with the man who designed the joker for those games are you oh that is a very good joker uh i felt since the very first uh arkham asylum you you, you meet him in the intro and you're like ah this is this is excellent this is a nice new spin on it. Yeah. No, that, that person is a listener and doesn't, I, I believe would rather not have their name said, which is why I'm purposefully not saying a person's name, even though okay. I know them and they're a wonderful person, but hello to that person and good work once more. Even though oh, I've, definitely. I've, I like, I like the shape of that, that really, um, the, the shape of the chin on that, that Joker is pretty bananas. It, it um, really is. Yeah. Uh, you have so many games. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, how many like single player long play games have you f- played start to finish multiple times? Or can you just name a couple that you would have done? Or really is there not? None? Really not many, but no. GTA 4, I've played through several times. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, and GTA 5, because they keep bringing it out on things. So that's okay. going to keep happening. Uh, you so you know, played five more than once. Yes, um, and the, there's rumors of a Switch edition, and everybody's clamoring for that. And I like, don't bring it out. I can't play it again. Then <laughs> uh, Red Dead Redemption several times. I'm sensing a okay. pattern here. Um, yes, but then as a kid, there would be games that I spent literally months of my life in front of. Goldeneye. There's a game I've played through on the single player several times yes. although i i would yes. argue fail the degree because of the multiplayer um uh-huh. why, why would you go to college when there's golden eye in the room <laughs> and, and three oh, mates failed the degree. okay yeah. i didn't quite pick up what you're putting down there i'm fail, failed the degree of what oh failed failed your degree i see yes <laughs> yes one of the key elements in in getting a degree is going to the institution where they're handed out and, and partaking in yeah. and the- uh when someone put GoldenEye 64 and three and four controllers in front of me at the time, I was done. Just, yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. Being of the PC school, we were we were we never did that that split screen as much, and I missed it because split screen is very social. Like we were doing Duke Nukem network games by that point. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the the split screen was especially social when you remember that at college in '97 we had 14 inch TVs and that. That was what everybody had. There was wasn't really much bigger than a fourteen inch TV. So when you divide yes. that up into four to play Golden Eye <laughs> on, and you're all sat six inches from the screen, 
on each other yes. trying to play. It's that's what we did. Uh, split screen is much easier now with the 50 inch LCDs. Um, yeah, there, there isn't a lot of split screen on the PC. Uh, and I think it's it's even starting to to disappear a little bit from the uh, from the consoles. It, yeah, yeah. As, as more and more internetness happens, uh, the Switch is bringing it back. I, I would argue um, because good, good yeah, on it. Yeah, it's something I've not seen for years. Uh, but then, on uh, as you'll know, when you leave college, the amount of time you spend sat on a sofa playing with a selection of friends for hours all night drops off significantly um sure sure and i really enjoy uh like our atomic trivia war crew we always record 8 30 on a thursday and then game immediately afterwards the four of us into something that's four player i mean it's been overwatch lately but often we'll do a four player co-op like left for dead or something like that i really look forward to those times it's nice to have a regular gaming date with people absolutely i i've not had a, a sort of reliable gaming thing like that since black ops call of duty on the xbox 360 little um, <laughs> card blobs yeah yeah got bored of that pretty quick actually i think it was when i i got that was the first one i got into the multiplayer with then they brought out the next game and you played the multiplayer and you said, well this is the same only <laughs> i've just paid another 49.99 and then the yes. next one came out and i then the penny dropped of all right I'm, I'm going to stop buying these now, but thanks. That's been great. And I, I was done with Call of Duty. <laughs> They're all the same. I know. It's like the same. Just why is there another game other than they just want another 50 pounds? Um, yeah. Did you get into the battlefields and things like that? I, I always found those two. I, I didn't enjoy the multiplayer as much because I found with the larger maps and everything, there were so many times where you'd spawn and then, just be shot by somebody that was all the way on the other end of the map with a sniper <laughs> rifle at the top of a building. And that was it. Just, they were just shooting everybody. No one was going to get near them. Um, yeah. And so I, I never really got into it that much. And I didn't like as well, like the, the, if the more hours you played, the better kit you had, you know, I, I like overwatch a lot and team fortress because, well, not so much team fortress cause they, they changed that, but, like Overwatch, I've played it for like 200 hours. And if you came in today, you'd have the same ability and kit as myself. Um, that that yeah. really is a key element in the, the multiplayer stuff. Arms is like that, uh, again, on the Switch that I've been playing is you, you have these different arms, but none of them are really any more powerful than any other. Uh, you're never going to get put in a situation where someone can just batter you and that's all there is to it. Uh, and it makes mm -hmm. the whole thing a lot more pleasant to play. I hope EA are listening. <laughs> well, yeah. So this chapter of my life now is all about my kids and I got like the kids gaming and it's neat to sort of experience gaming through their eyes again and introduce some of my classics to them and try to play stuff like uh, we're, we do like Lego together uh, talking about split screen. It's one of the few ones you can do split screen yeah, uh, and, and play together. Um, they're big into Minecraft now. So I'll set up servers and they have their friends log in over servers and I tell them stories of the old days, the old Commodore 64 <laughs> and how, what it was like for me as a kid. And it's, I'm sure it's like, you know, my dad talking about not having shoes. It's like <laughs> not having internet. Yeah. How, how do they cope with sort of older games? Because what, what I've generally been told by parents is that kids don't bat an eyelid at an 8-bit 8 8 -bit game being an 8-bit game. They just see a game and they're cool with it, whatever. Yeah. Jonas really enjoyed uh, Mega Man 2. Uh, the, but, uh, it, like you say, it's quite, quite tough, but there's a, there's a, there's a redemption, there's a, a revival of, uh, of tough games like Super Meat Boy and things. Uh, so there, he's kind of tuned into that a bit. Uh, Burnout Paradise is one that he plays a lot and that game has been out for a long time, a long time. And I don't think he notices like how old it is. Yeah. There's a, it's so old. There's a remaster coming out soon. I heard that. No, mm. I, I'm not sure that that's, that's needed, at least on PC. I don't think it's needed. Um, no, I think it's mainly for Xbox people. Yeah. Because um, they're, they're touting really 60 expect. frames a second in 4K and that kind of thing on an Xbox right. One X. But yeah, I, I think anyone who's truly bothered about that has already got a PC. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I always wondered with kids, is it like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, the idea of watching a black and white movie 
Yes. As if I was going to do that. It's an old thing. I'm not interested in a black and white movie. And I imagine that's how kids would be with N64 games. Maybe, but I mean, bear in mind that their all-time biggest game is Minecraft. And it it is meant to look kind of crappy and blocky and 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 like your lego and they love it they just gravitate towards it their their imagination picks up where the graphics leave off very much so yeah i i think if we were still it, it's almost as if now to continue with the movie analogy if we were still making silent movies then we wouldn't be that jarred by watching a silent movie whereas you know we we're, we're kind of doing that with games they're making games that look like 16 bit games and they're brand new, but they look old. So what's really the difference between that and an actual SNES game? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the games they play now are tributes to those old games, your Cuphead, Cashel Crashers, all those kind of games. They're 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 paying tribute to those old side scrolling platform games. So kids get in there and go, oh, I know what to do. Have, have you seen the, nin- the Nintendo Labo stuff? Yeah, yeah, that looks really interesting. I think uh I, I think if they open that up a bit to the community and let people build their own stuff, it'll be really interesting. Although Nintendo doesn't have a huge history of that kind of a thing. Do, do you know what they, they are promising because yes. you know, we'll, we'll see what really happens, but they're sort of saying that the, the, we will have the card patterns available to download and make your own and all this stuff all the openness that you would want it to have and and that everybody thinks yeah but you're nintendo yeah uh, you know but apparently they will have it we'll we'll see if they have it um yeah i'm but- cautiously optimistic that would that would be great i would love to see some of the crazy stuff people build i mean people will build full-on mechs and things out of cardboard and i can't wait to see that it, it's if- gonna yeah <laughs> There's going to be some interesting cosplay things going on, definitely. I'm I'm sure, probably not all of it wholesome, and I'm sure <laughs> Nintendo doesn't necessarily like the fact that they can't control that as much as they'd like to. But there, that is. Yeah, although with, oh, you could play combat. Yeah, you could play real combat, Richard. You could make cardboard <laughs> tanks and run around your kitchen. Now I notice you have the Monkey Island games. Oh. uh yeah, I probably played those for like five seconds. <laughs> really? Okay. Okay. It was. It's. It's just one of those games you 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 hear about a lot and think I should really uh, try it, and then you're like, mm, I I don't think I can go back to this Lucas film style, Lucas Lucas Arts style game. Yeah. I played a lot of those back in the day, like your your Maniac Mansions and your Indiana Joneses and whatever else. Fair enough. Fair enough. They they were a big thing in my in uh, back in the day over here um yeah the monkey islands yeah very much so and and very famous on the amiga because they came on just so many discs um (laughs) yeah monkey island 2 was on 12 floppy discs um wow i never had a game like i I played the closest relative i would have is is wing commander 3 with with mark hamill and that full motion video craze that we had for a while there yeah, and uh, it came on something like twelve to twenty CD ROMs or something like that. I don't, I don't even remember how many CD. I, it, was, I, it was. Let's see. I have a lot. A, of I have it for the PlayStation here, and it's on. Do you? It's on four discs. Um. Yeah, I'm, I got it because I wanted the P, really. I wanted the PC version, which is the one I played. Uh, yeah, and it's. I I just foolishly thought it would be the same, and it's it's nothing like as good as the PC version. Uh, oh. But it does have all the video in it, and it looks pretty good. I recommend anyone go on YouTube and just go straight to the video of it. Cause, and in Wing Commander 4, that one had like Malcolm McDowell, and I I thought some of the, the acting in that was it was really good. It, it sounds uh, sounds a bit campy to say, but man, I mean, they did they did they, ham it up. But they really, really spent, spent some money on it. I mean... It, <sighs> I, I was sat with with Alison watching it when when she saw it for the first time, and she had no idea what to expect. But it opens up, and you've got Mark Hamill and John Rhys Davis there having yes. a couple, and you're like, "Oh, oh, this is a real thing!" Just stunned, it, like they're they're actors. I know them from films. Um, that, but 
when that came out as well, that was a revelation, right? It's like, oh, Hollywood guys are paying attention to us nerdy gaming people. Look at this. Yeah. And then that one just kept giving Malcolm McDowell, Thomas F. Wilson, Biff Tannen right. yes. was in it. Biff Tannen. <laughs> Courtney Gaines was in it. That blew my mind. Courtney Gaines is, is Hans Klopek from The Burbs. And, oh, okay. <laughs> you know... And and a selection of porn stars, I believe, or just Ginger Lynn. I, yeah, uh, I'm not yeah. sure if it was a selection or or <laughs> yeah. But uh, that that full the full motion video craze was was something, man. You had your your uh, Rebel Assault and your uh, Command and Conquer games. Always had a lot of full mm-hmm. motion video stuff. And man, and now I'm gonna have to go on YouTube and watch all those again because that's just it's just good time, man. It's a good time to be alive. Yeah, I've got Night Trap ready for a playthrough as well. <laughs> See, I feel like I'm not, I'm not going to play through anything. I'm just going to go to YouTube and, and have a greatest hits nostalgia moment and then move on with life. No, I've got to play Night Trap. I've bought it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I've got no choice, I think. Are, are, so you are a Wing Commander guy. Are, are you interested at all in this? Um, uh, the what, What's the name of the game that the Wing Commander guy is doing right now? And it's been in production since oh, I don't know. 10 years now? Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, there's a game he's doing, and it's so ambitious. It's like Chris Roberts. He wants to do Chris Roberts. Okay, what's it called? Chris Roberts. Space Sim Star uh, Citizen. Star Citizen. That's right. It's been. It's he's been, he's been trying to do like a basically like it's he wants to be able to do the full space sim thing he wants to do the walking around the ship kind of deal but he also wants to do like landing parties and like a first person shooter kind of deal as well and games that try to bite off this like way more than they can chew never tend to do that great they always fall down on one aspect or another and he wants it all to be online as well so it's like you know i would fly to your spaceship and check out your stuff and whatnot Mm. It, it, it's very ambitious. I, I'm remembering No Man's Sky. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. It's that is remarkably. It's that is many big games in one, really. Um, yeah, I, I think games developed th- in the game in 2011. I'm reading on the wiki here. How do they keep things in development? Right, this has always confused me that they they keep things in development for longer than some gaming platforms exist for mm-hmm. um and and there must come a point where you reach you know you have to just say right everything we've got delete it we need to start again the xbox one is a thing now um you know that must slow down things altogether it's one of those games though that the making of the game like the journey of it is 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 very interesting and it's almost worth a documentary in itself if you go on the wikipedia there's this whole section called funding and it, it goes on for nearly a page of how they've been able to do exactly that, that question you've been asking. And it's kind of interesting because they, they started with like crowdsourcing. And the last thing it says in November, 2017, the developers started to sell what are called land claim licenses. So I assume that if you buy now, you will get virtual land <laughs> when oh. the game is released. That's a that's not a terrible idea to raise some money, I suppose. Um, I've seen similar things in the past. I, I, I saw a what was it? There was a theme park style game from the people that did Elite Dangerous, and they they did a crowdfunding thing where if you donated so much, you were one of the people that was wandering around the park, or or something like oh. that. Okay, yeah. No, it's like, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. I like that. That I, you know, people would get that game and there'd be a little me in it wandering around everybody's park. And that's, yeah, I like that idea. Um, and, and can you, can you make this, the little me come to dreadful misadventure? Like, could I say, oh, I want Richard Smith to be on this roller coaster I've just designed? I don't think so. I think that would be <laughs> that there's potential for fuckery there. <laughs> um, yeah, people being people. Yeah. So I don't know, but and plus I think the game turned out to not actually be all that well received, uh, mm-hmm. and we all just like, oh, let's just play roller coaster tycoon again. Then. Yeah, which it is. Well, thank you for joining me today. That's been it was uh, it was my pleasure. Yeah, I enjoyed this trip down uh, memory lane. Fundamental uh, pieces of who I am have been gone over here. <laughs> Excellent. 
It, 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 it does define us as adults. It really does. It's who knew? But. Yeah. And it makes me think of my, my children now, if they get to my ripe old age of 42 and look back and do a show like this, what, what will they say? Yeah. Gosh. Like, and, and dad used to talk about these games on these things called cassettes. And he said, it took ages to load, but look, tap game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah blink, well, blink. That's it. Game on your eye. So, thank you for listening. I, I will take this moment once again. Let's plug Atomic Trivia War 9000 if you'd like yes, to indeed. hear Kevin on other shows. Uh, yeah, if you like uh, if you like trivia that is uh, geeky, nerdy, and uh, often guessed at incorrectly, check out Atomic Trivia War 9000. I've, I've been on there myself, incorrectly guessing at things on a, yes. a number of occasions. It is um, good times. Usually when Jason is convinced I've seen something that I've never seen at all or yeah. various things like that. You really? can always tell that you're going to miss one because he, he says, oh, Richard, you're, you're totally going to get this one. This one's totally in your wheelhouse. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the guarantee of That's no guarantee. Chance. Yeah. So, right. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'll be back another time speaking to somebody else about their gaming history. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>